Blog Talk Radio. Hi, welcome to Graham Blitz right here on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Player FM, and Block Talk Radio, as well as on Wednesdays, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern on Indie Rap Radio. Today, episode 267, in the house, we are going to have Junior Pardo in about 40 minutes to talk about the, the bombshell that it is, the, uh, the Alliance of American Football announcing that they're suspending operations tomorrow and today letting go of players and personnel. Huge news that just came out uh, within the last couple hours, last 24 hours. So we're going to talk to Junior Pardo in about 40 minutes here as he's going to break down uh, the information that uh, we can kind of dive into. You go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. You can check out all the uh, stories that we have relevant to the situation that's happening in the AAF. And also, uh, he's going to break down exactly what the future holds for the AAF. I know it's a, kind of disappointing to have this kind of news, uh, especially with uh, Jennifer King in Arizona, uh, as well as uh, Dr. Jen Welter in Atlanta. Fortune Lori Locus did leave for Tampa before this whole situation happened. So it's sort of breaking news right now in terms of what the logistics and what the information's about, but it doesn't look good. Uh, it looks like they might have to do a reset of the, what they had planned in prior to uh, this uh, billionaire owner, uh, Mr. Tom Dutton of the Carolina Hurricanes. So uh, everything changed when he took over. And look at this point, looks like the season will not be ending. Uh, it is week eight, the last week of the season as it stands right now. So we are going to go into that type of mode. I uh, should have a Troy Wilson here coming up in a couple minutes here. Like I said, we'll be joined by Junior Pardo. Today, we are going to preview the Women's Football Alliance 2019 season coming up here on April 6th, the Women's National Football Conference um, season coming up here also in 2019. And we're going to dive into Legends Football League preview as well in terms of what to expect there. So big, big uh, things to happen here uh, in this episode. Um, So we are going to, like, try to figure it out in probably 40 minutes and figure out what uh, Junior can come up with in terms of what the future holds for the Alliance of American Football. Um, if you want to get everything up to date, go to the hub at facebook.com for Beauties. Everything women's American football news updates as well as the AAF news that just came out. A lot of action that happened overseas. Uh, the uh, LFB in Cancun in action. Big, big weekend for the WFL in Mexico, as well as LNFA Spain in Femenina, the 999 and 7-on-7. Seven seven. And we're going to be diving into that as well. And a, a good weekend also in the French League, the FFFA. Uh, and uh, a lot of things happening in Texas with the XFFL. So everything that you need to be up to speed on, you can always stay up in the know at facebook.com forward slash I want to thank everybody that's gone there. We announced the news last week, huge reach efforts, and we are now up to 10,000 uh, 
you know, followers, reach followers at 10,000, engagement at almost uh, 7,000. So that's almost every follower that we own has engaged with us, shared with us, commented, done everything. So I really want to just thank everybody that is supporting the sport, bringing the awareness through our page, and also giving us a lift in terms of buying things from our shop that keeps our uh, podcast afloat. Uh, thanks to Zazzle.com for being supportive of us for almost seven years now. Uh, without them, we would not be able to be on the air and bring awareness to the sport for women's American football. So uh, if you haven't gone to the shop, I encourage you to go to the shop at Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties, the no-joke football shop. Uh, all you got to do is purchase something there, 15% off daily, up to 25% off on certain weekends. Uh, so you can get everything there. And if you uh, subscribe to Zazzle Black, it is about $9 for the year. You get free shipping for 12 months. So no better deal that you can get there. Free shipping for 10 bucks. So I uh, really want to uh, thank everybody. And also our, the app that obviously have supported our brand from day one. In Australia, we got Lauren Evans, um, Christy Moran. And in the States now, we got Sasha Cruz. We also have Chris, uh, Christian, Christian, uh, Kelsey Cristiano. And then all the other athletes that we have uh, engaged with, Michelle Marshall, and a lot of athletes that have come on board um, us and, and more coming on board as we speak to going through the season. But we, can't make it, we cannot make it uh, possible unless somebody purchased stuff from our, from our shop to, to keep things going and spotlight, obviously, the talented athletes that play the sport. So um, we talked about uh, the preview that's going to come up here because a, a lot of seasons coming up but big bombshell from the WNFC also this week on top of the bad news from the AAF. The bombshell from the WNFC came out this week where uh, it's going to do an incentive uh, for players. Uh, it is basically 250 for um, a player of the week, an award incentive, cash incentive, plus $100 uh, Adidas credit for Adidas gear. And then a monthly player will be chosen uh, overall, from both conferences, um, it will be the Riddell helmet that will be given to a player uh, if, uh, if at the end of the month. So uh, one player is going to be player of the week uh, Broken Barriers Award, and it's going to be weekly um, for them, and they will get a two, $250 cash prize, basically, plus $100 Adidas credit for gear towards the season. So uh, that's something new to work with, Perks. Uh, it's a brand new concept. It's never been done in women's uh, American football in terms of 11 on 11 full kit. Um, there are, there have been incentives in the past with, um, you know, uh, legend style play leagues out in Mexico and in the U S but this is pretty much a first for that. So we'll see how that uh, goes in that route, but it's good news for the WNFC athletes. They're going to get a benefit out of it. So uh, it's going to be great news for them. So we'll, we'll dive into, since we got some time here, before we get Junior Pardo coming in here, let's dive into uh, the uh, L uh, LNFA Femenina over in Spain. And uh, week seven, this is March 30th, uh, Badalona gets routed by Valencia, which Valencia secures their spot pretty much now in the finals. We only have about three weeks left in the season. And so uh, Valencia Firebats really 62-2 to two, just taking care of Badalona. Badalona has had bad seasons for three years in a row, and it continues for them. Then you have uh, Barbera rookies, 34-6, to six, take care of Pioneers. 
and you can get pretty much the scope of that and the breakdown of the game uh, at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. You get the link there from the uh, Federation of, um, of Spanish American football. And in seven on seven action week six, last week of the season, March 30th and 31st, Gion Mariners, 13 to six, taking on the Habatos and they win. And then Zaragoza gets routed 60 to zero by the black demons. So the championship for seven on seven will happen because the season just ended this Gion versus black demons in the final on April 13th. And so next weekend, pretty interesting weekend. Um, I'm sorry, next weekend, uh, two weeks from now, they, they get the uh, Easter break. So two weeks from now, you're going to get Barbera versus Valencia, which is going to be a kind of a preview of the LNFA Femenina 999 championship. If it happens that way, uh, Barcelona will be taken on Badalona, which like I said, hasn't had much success. So that should change things a little bit. Then as we get into week nine, uh, the last week of April, Valencia against Pioneers could change some things there. Uh, Barcelona against Barbera. And then week 10 is going to consist of May 11th. Pioneers versus Barcelona. Key matchup there if any of those want to get into the race. Uh, and then uh, Barbera will take on Badalona once again, which is probably going to be just non-existent at this point. So uh, the title game is going to be on May 25th. So we'll touch base on that. So let's uh, bring in our co-host here. It's going to be Troy Wilson in the house. So, uh, Troy, uh, sort of a terrible news um, out of the AAF today. I guess the, the new owner decided to pull the plug. Yeah, in, in, in the beginning, they had funding issues. Um, you know, there was a story that came out where, you know, they had to borrow uh, 250000 or some, some odd, you know, amount of money uh, from someone to, you know, keep the league running. And so, you know, there were money issues and, you know, it's kind of been um, talked about in the news a little bit as far as being a rumor because there there has been some struggles. There's been some struggles when it comes to uh, ratings and viewership, uh, ticket sales, things of that nature. So um, it's not really surprising. It's disheartening. You know, it's upsetting because, I mean, you know, I've actually – started to grow to like the game and watch the way it was being played. And, um, you know, you started to see a lot of these teams start to, you know, start to get their legs under them and, and kind of get used to playing. And, and, and again, you know, these are a lot of guys out there are second chance guys. And so, you know, their future is going to be up in the air. Um, a lot of coaches, um, you know, their future is up in the air. Some of these guys and, and also in, in a few instances, the, you know, the three ladies that, you know, had uh, positions as coaches in these leagues, they're going to be uh, looking elsewhere except for, you know, Miss Locust. She already has a, has a gig lined up with Tampa. So, um, you know, kudos to her. But, you know, it's, it's tough. It's going to be really tough for everyone, um, you know, involved in it. And, you know, no one wanted this to fail. But, you know, when it comes down to it, in this country – NFL is king when it comes to viewership, and then you know college football is a you know, very, very, very close second. And you know after that is you know uh, it really doesn't you know this country is um, it's tough to get a little bit of the respect. So you got to kind of navigate your way through it. But hopefully, hopefully you know we we get a hail mary pass, and NFLPA decides to help out with the funding and 
um, you know, we'll see. But all of these things have to be worked out. At the end of the day, it's a business, and, you know, they, everyone wants to make money. And if the, you know, the owner of the league, if he, just, you know, looks at it and he's he's bleeding cash, it might be best for him to cut bait. But hopefully we can get we get a chance to figure this out. Yeah, I'm, we're still going to get the details. Um, Junior's trying to gather some of the information. We did post some stuff on our Facebook page, obviously, of what's happening from USA Today, from Sporting News, and all the major sports news, uh, as well as on Twitter, from some of the resources that we follow. So there's a lot of things still, you know, question marks on there, whether they reset at this point like they were planning to do before that. Uh, but at, at this point, they have to obviously let everybody go because there's no way that they can commit to them at this point. So we'll, we'll see what Junior says here in a couple, you know, coming up in about 20-something minutes here. Um, Troy, let's talk legends. We're going to do preview legends here first. Uh, a lot of changes in Legends Football League, uh, a lot of moves in the off season. Um, there is a lot of new faces in new places, if you want to consider that. This is season 10. It's the 10th anniversary of Legends Football League. Um, so at this point, it looks like Seattle is going to be the front runner because you get Randall, Schnorr, Matheny, Malloy. I mean, you could literally, it's just like an all-star cast. And you get Michelson back. So to me, it just looks like, you know, the power rankings came out from the LFL and the preseason power rankings, and pretty much Seattle is, is you know, the number one ranked, which I don't think I can debate that. I think they, based on roster and what we know and what they've performed and how they've done it, I think they would be considered the front runners. I would say so. And I think really the biggest acquisition is uh, Coach Michelson coming back. Um, And, you know, no disrespect to the ladies out there, but he's just been a great leader with that organization. Um, And I think that's, you know, it started to get a little bit unstable out there last year. Um, And I think he'll bring that kind of stabilizing force and and get the ladies going. Stevie Schnorr coming back. I mean, you already know that. That's my girl right there. I love watching her play. The bull is back. And, you know, she's up and in, 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 in back in her native colors up there in Seattle. So it would be great to see her back on the field in that uniform. It, it, you know, I really love the way that, um, you know, she attacks the game. And she just has that passion for the game. So you love watching her play. It would be great to see her back in there. So I would, I would agree with that. I would say starting off – I would go ahead and put Seattle as the front runner, and especially in the West. So, uh, Troy, uh, let me just – let me hand you the roster. You're Michelson. You get Snore, Malloy, Wellen coming back. You get Allie Alberts on top of that. You get Kara Bryant, Savannah Wood, Daisy Jackman, Shay Norton, K.K. Matheny, and Jade Randall to top it on the cherry. <laughs> you're you're in good shape. Oh yeah, they're they're, they're in great. Uh, so so wait a minute, is is K, so is KK gonna play for Seattle? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, so so that now makes sense. You know why you know why they allowed uh, Michelle Angel to leave out of there. So that that kind of makes sense because I thought she was really the backbone um, of that team last year. She just had so much heart and so much fight. Uh, but you know what, you man with KK out there, I mean, I get it. You know, for real, it'd be it'd be a one one A one B. Uh, I would take either one of them. But KK, especially, uh, you know, with her leadership qualities, she just knows how to play the position. 
you gotta love that. So yeah, you definitely have to put Seattle up there as a front runner right now. All right, I don't want to disrespect the Bliss, but I think based on the moves the Austin Acoustic has done, I think we have to put them maybe number two here at this point. Uh, and I know a lot of the girls in in Chicago are going to be like, "What? We're the champs?" Yeah, but coaching change there, uncertainty of who's running it now. Uh, there's a lot of veterans there, but I would have to put you know Acoustic as a close second to the Seattle, uh, you know powerhouse that it will be uh you have cassandra bills coming back you add sasha cruz from uh denver dream morales is coming back uh michelle angel will be leading that wide receiver to shea winfrey at this uh rachel washington is gonna is coming back um misty gonzalez nicole peterson valeria quintero returns um you got megan the beast hansen from la Okay, uh, and the Dowdy sisters are back. So I would say you would have to, at this point, based on roster, we're talking about roster or not. We haven't seen one on-field performance in terms of, you know, obviously how they're going to gel and all that stuff. But based on roster, I would say uh, Austin would be a close second to Seattle. Definitely agree with that. Definitely agree. And they, they just, they got loaded. I mean, putting Michelle Angel back there, um, I thought to Shea Winfrey, um, Again, I thought she, you know, made a lot of strides over the past few years. Last year, I thought she played very well. I thought she played maybe her best year. Um, but when it comes down to it, Michelle Angel, in my opinion, she's much more experienced quarterback. And I think she may be the better quarterback. But the great thing is, you know, when you're playing football, things happen. And so, you know, they at least have a better – they have a, a great second, you know, uh, second-string quarterback. And I, I would argue they're probably the best second-string quarterback in the LFL. And you get a chance to use her as an athlete because she's a very athletic, tall girl. She's long. She's got a lot of length. So, I think she'll be an asset at the wide receiver position. And, and getting the twins back and having them be able to play, I mean, you, you got to love that. I mean, I, I really love the way that – Austin competed last year. I thought they were the most improved team in the LFL. So it's going to be great to see them out there, um, you know, trying to see if they can put it all together. And they got more bullets in the chamber this time. So we'll see how it fans out in the um, in, in the West. But I'm definitely excited to see how Austin looks this year with their new look with a lot of roster additions. Well, I can tell you right now, um, they put uh, LFL 360 – decided that the Atlanta steam was going to be the, uh, the surprise, but I put Austin ahead of them. Atlanta, I think has weapons. They pick up Michelle Marshall. They pick up Megan uh, Martinez. And so, and they bring back the triplets, Dakota Hughes, Dino Wojowski and Lauren um, Ziegler. So uh, in my book, I think they're third right now. I would rank them third in terms of where they're at in terms of acquisitions. I don't know. Uh, I mean, they still have veterans on their squad that they're bringing back. Uh, but like I said, I would probably put the acoustic at this point a little a little higher uh, in that regard, uh, considering what, you know, the roster and everything that's, that's happening. So can't uh, because of Atlanta, sort of their track record not being so complete in terms of finishing, I would think that would be my decision maker, Troy. I would think so. I would think so. Um, I'm I'm really – well, let me ask you this question. 
do you think this is the year that they really put it together? Because I, 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 I don't know. I, I'm looking at what happened last year, and I, I just I don't know. I just I don't have a really good feeling about it. I don't. But you know, with with all the changes, you know, it's kind of hard for me to to determine that one. I, what do you what do you think? What what do you think as far as what are their chances are coming up? I think the addition of Marshall and and Martinez gives them a good offensive uh, balance attack, uh, but defensively will be the question marks. I think the defense will be the question mark here in Atlanta in terms of the new rookie class that they have. Um, I think that's going to be the key. So we'll see how it turns out, but that's the changes offensively. I don't think they're going to have a problem. It's going to be defensively, maybe holding people. And given the fact that Chicago has transitioned over and rebuilt somewhat, and then Omaha improving with a couple pieces from uh, the acoustic and then Nashville completely unknown at this point. I mean, Nashville, if we look at Nashville right now, uh, Molly Richardson coming back, Whitmore, uh, Whit- Whitney Palmer, Candy Cook, and that's about it. Everybody else on that roster besides Nene, uh, Nene Glibs is probably brand new. So we don't know what we're to expect from Danica Brace's squad right now. Point. So you would, I would say Atlanta, you would put them as the front runners in the Eastern Conference at this point? I would have to, and and just because they got Dakota Hughes back, and I really think that was the biggest thing, um, you know, because initially she was slated to retire. It was going to be an opening there, and I honestly think that if Dakota Hughes would not have come back, I think Tashay Winfrey would have ended up finding her way to Atlanta. Uh, that's just, you know, I'm just putting that out there. Um, but I think – since you have that experience back at quarterback, and they we know how close they've been the, the past few years. I mean, they've been right on the cusp of at least getting to the championship game or, or winning the championship game, but they just they haven't gotten there for whatever reason. And I think maybe a little bit of change on the roster may help, uh, but I think your heavy hitters are still going to be your heavy hitters. I mean, Lauren Ziegler. Uh, you know, the playmaker out there. And, again, speaking on Dakota Hughes, she didn't statistically have that great of a year, but I just think the leadership, from the leadership standpoint, she's still one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, and I think really that gives them a, a legit shot to get to the championship game and possibly win it. All right, uh, so rumor has it Christelle Harris will show up in Austin. Uh, it's, it was noted on LFL 360. She's not on the roster. So unless she's a surprise pickup, uh, that would be, be even huge, more big news for Austin. So I don't know what's going to happen with Christelle Harris, but LFL 360 reported that the loss of Lilani Lopez, of course, hurts the, uh, the acoustic, getting league MVP Michelle Angel and Hall of Famer running back Christelle Harris in Austin. So I don't know if that's true because I have not seen her name on the roster. So we'll see. We'll have to wait and see if that happens. But that's if she does end up in Austin for some reason, um, I would have thought she'd go back to Atlanta, but it, it, I don't know what the situation is at this point. I haven't had any confirmation from somebody yet. So at this point, we're still up in the air there. Um, Troy, uh, given what's going on in uh, Los Angeles and Chicago, uh, LFL 360 had Los Angeles ahead of Chicago, I would still put the bliss ahead of the temptation because you got Tamar Fennell, Tamika Robinson, Javel Thompson, uh, the beast, Kristen Morrison, 
um, up there also. And then you have basically some returning rookies that we have no idea what they look like, but there's a lot of rookies in here. And even Emma Vander Hayden, former Chicago Force WFA star, is coming back. So uh, from what I hear from Bliss Nation and former players from the Bliss, you are going to be wowed at the talent that this club has. Now the question mark is who's guiding this talent. And so that's the reason I would put Chicago a little down more than Los Angeles. Well, I mean, in both cases, you're, you're, you're replacing, uh, you know, great coaches. And, but I think, and I agree with you there, I think the bliss really will be hurting from missing coach hack. I mean, guys just, he's just, you know, he may be the best coach in NFL history. The guys just flat out gotten it done uh, up there in Chicago. And I think that's going to be a big loss, but you know what? You have to see, you know, um, how it's going to come from a leadership standpoint. We'll see. I mean, we'll see if they can be able to put it together. But one good thing that you know about teams that have uh, made it to the promised land and and, and gotten their titles and things like that is that you're still going to have great leadership on the football field. And they still have that out there. And, And, you know, those players, they're used to winning. So I just think that, you know, as long as they, they still have some some holdovers from the previous regime on the roster, I think they'll still they'll still have a chance. But L.A., they, they lost so much. It's really hard to see or, or hard to say how they're going to show up. I mean, I, I thought, you know, the last few years they really fought hard. They just had a lot of bad luck, um, you know, uh, to come their way uh, from a variety of different standpoints. But you know what, this is going to be a brand new year for them, and, and we'll see if they can retool. But I agree with you. I think Chicago right now would, would still have the upper hand just because of the sheer talent that they have on the roster. And don't discount them just because Coach Hack is out. I do think that will be the overarching um, uh, factor as to whether they fail or not. So, you know, we'll see. It's really one of those unknown things. But I really think they have the talent on the roster to be able to to overcome that. Troy, uh, we had Hack on, and what did he say? They were always recruiting, remember? And he always said he could only field 20, but he physically had 30 that he could start, right? So I think, you know, given his absence for one year, that's not going to change in terms of the talent being left over. And from what I hear from the Bliss, former Bliss players, a lot of those players were still, were still you know, working out with the team. And this is going to be their first crack, basically, at LFL field. So that's the reason I'm saying it's like longevity there and the recruitment style. Okay. Um, here's, here's a poke. Here's a poke from, I believe it's the LFL owner, a dysfunctional organization off the field with non-committable veterans. It is the Los Angeles temptation. Whoa. What do you think of that? Wow. Uh, that's, that's hard to hear. I mean, that's, that's hard to read, especially coming from <laughs> the owner. Wow. That's wow. Um, well, it let me like put the butt in there, Troy. Let me let me put the butt in there before you talk. But any team with Ashley Sir Leno at quarterback and a tough defense could be ranked minimal top four. So I don't know well, what yeah. he's trying to say there. <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, that's uh, again maybe he, well, you know he he knows that with the shot that he put out there is, is very. Um, is borderline antagonistic. Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly what he was trying to get out of making that kind of comment, especially, you know, for a team like that. But um, 
I, I agree with you though. If you have a playmaking quarterback and you have a defense out there, you know you got you have a shot. But you, but there is something to be said for or, organizational stability. And if they don't have that, they are going to be behind the eight ball. I definitely agree with that. I just don't think it needs to be said, um, you know, out loud like that. That's just my opinion. But yeah, I, I, I agree with that. They, they 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 do have a shot. They do have a shot. But I'm I'm really anxious to see this because you know with Coach Tui out there, they were stable. That was the one thing you didn't have to worry about is, is from a leadership standpoint. In my opinion, I thought Coach Tui was a great coach. I thought he was a great leader. Um, and I thought that the, you know, the team uh, stood behind him. It's just that, you know, things really just didn't pan out on the field sometimes, and and unfortunately he had to take a hit. But now you see that, you know, with that instability comes rumors like this, and, and hopefully they can get it together on the field. Hopefully we don't have, you know, hopefully what, you know, what was being said out there is, is, is a little bit blown out of proportion. All right. Uh, so, Troy, here's the uh, roster that we got to look forward to in terms of veterans. Gaxiola was supposed to come back, but I don't see her on the roster. So I'm assuming that, that was a PR move or some sort for tickets. I don't know if that's the case, but I don't see her on the, on the physically on the roster. So here's what I see for veterans. Salerno at quarterback, Chelsea Hart on defense, Fuyuki Hamaguchi, uh, Hamaguchi uh, is the first Japanese athlete ever to set foot on an LFL stage. So that's going to be kind of like the buzz for them. And then you have Hallie Gistra, who obviously played for the Bliss and champion, championship caliber. Daniel Harvey, veteran, obviously, for the defense. Michelle Kenny, who plays both, you know, out there in uh, WFA as well as um, LFL. Then you have Sherry Awada coming back. You have Delaney Hall, the wide receiver, and Noss Johnson. Other than that, everything else, everybody is new except for the Lopez sisters, the Marissa and Miriam sisters that came out. But um, so the little bit, uh, oh, and Melissa Miles. But other than that, um, it looks like there's a, a somewhat small uh, of rookie group. Really, I think in the West, if I have to look at it, you have Seattle, you have Austin. It is Los Angeles' year, year to prove it. Can the snake elevate this team back to the prominent stage that it was once again? And that's the thing. I mean, right now the deck is stacked against them. Um, you know, Seattle's low. They've retooled and got some, you know, some veterans back in there and people who are used to that organization. Austin has started to load up. So they see what's in front of them. Uh, and we're, we're not sure what um, uh, Denver and, uh, is going to be. And, you know, if it's anything like it was in the past few years, we may not expect much from them. But, um but I think they really have their work cut out for them, um, and, you know. But the great thing is is that you do have new blood. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes, you know, that's what you need. You need a little bit of a, a you know, a, a push in the right direction with new blood. Monique Gaxiola coming back. Hopefully that is, you know, she's healthy because, she, you know, she had some issues uh, staying healthy uh, the last few years that she did play. Um, maybe if she does, does come back, she definitely adds to the leadership uh, standpoint of that. And then you have you do have that possibly stabilizing force in that locker room at least. So, you know, but they have their work cut out for them. I mean, because as we know before, the, the two teams that we see in front of them with Austin and Seattle, I think they're to make a run. And I think you'll see those two fighting it out really for the top of the division. All right. So, 
we go to Omaha, uh, often the bottom of the league uh, for the last couple of years. Uh, the fate of, you know, this is basically a, a retool year for them too. Um, they get Garza from Acoustic. They get Maria Lazariaga from the Acoustic. And then they obviously going to shift their focus now. Uh, Jacqueline Good to defense. Jamie Lumberg, uh, Zoe Hart. Uh, you have Lindsey Burst, as well as you have, um, let me see it down the line here, you got a, a bunch of players, uh, Nicole, uh, uh, Nicole Alike, Alike as well. Um, so they're, uh, from what I was told, Anna Garza was supposed to be quarterback, but from what LFL 360 is reporting, it is Dakota uh, Lawrence Crouch uh, is going to be the quarterback. So I don't know if um, Garza is going to back up. And they also have the return of Matei Vincent, which is a, a, what a workhorse from last year. So Omaha, if they can put it together with some talented pieces that they just acquired, this could be a competitive Eastern Conference number two right behind uh, Atlanta if the Bliss somehow doesn't uh, live up to its billing with all these rookies on their roster. I really think Omaha – should really concentrate on pounding the football. I think with Matei Vincent, uh, she is a definitely a workhorse back. They, you know, they they got a lot of mileage out of her last year. I think she's primed to do that again. I mean, she's a she's a pounder. She gets those tough yardage and, and she has the speed really to make it to the outside and 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 take long and uh, and break long runs. So you, I in my opinion, I really think they need to get her the football a lot more. Uh, that's really your playmaker. That she's, you know, she keeps things grounded and stabilized, uh, you know. And then when if you get a chance to, whether it be guards back there or, or someone else, um, you know, they need to operate off of that play action. I really think that she is uh, Matei Vincent is the biggest threat that they have on that team, and you really got to operate from that standpoint if you're if you're being smart with Omar. So uh, if we talk about the Bliss, they're the champs. We it's basically a rebuild year as we're talking about here. Um, several key pieces coming back, especially defensive player of the year, Kristen Morrison, Tamar Fennell, Jevel Thompson, and of course, Tamika Robinson now uh, given the leadership because of Jane Caldwell leaving. So um, the owner obviously, you know, writes the LFL 360 power ranking. That's all I can tell because this is wording. So apparently Tamika Robinson is an upgrade from Jane Caldwell athletically which I, I highly <laughs> – I'm assuming Tamika's more athletically gifted, but given James Caldwell's track record, I think uh, we, have, we have to have Tamika prove that she can win a Legends Cup. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you, you like to hear the confidence in, in, in the new quarterback. Um, you know, if, if, you know that's, you love to hear stuff like that. But I, I agree with you. I mean, it's kind of hard to, to sit back and say that right now, Jane Caldwell, being a, a very experienced player and, and, and a highly productive player. And so, you know, we'll see if Tamika can, can hold, you know, uh, hold that proclamation uh, good. But I, I don't know. We got to see it first. You know, I love – again, I love them having confidence in their players. That's the great thing to do. That's what you want to do. You want to build up your players. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, I got to see it on the field first. Jane Caldwell, again, just a solid, solid uh, LFL player, and she's done it for a while now. But, you know, we'll see how that pans out. 
All right, so Troy, should should we put the Bliss as number two in the East, just to give them respect, or should we do, should we uh, put them as number one? I would put them at number two right now. I just think they have um, they've proven their pedigree. Um, but you know, when it comes from a leadership standpoint, are are we going to have those same things coming out as, as like the rumors that are coming out of LA? You know, with Coach Hack being, you know, the Hall of Fame coach of the years, um, and he not being there. So, you know, we'll see with that. I think that's really the biggest thing. Are they going to keep be able to keep that stable? It's really going to be dependent upon the locker room, um, and and some of the coaching staff has remained the same from what I read. Uh, so, you know, you're, you're going to have some of those holdovers in there, but you know, we'll see. I would put them right now. I will put them second. I would I would say that they're second right now. All right, um, so, Troy, at the bottom of the barrel on the west, does Denver even have a shot? Uh, they have some pieces in place. Uh, Abria, Quintana, obviously your leg, horrifying leg break last year, came back from rehab. You have Perea that didn't really show much in terms of leadership or, you know, anything in terms of consistency to get this team to another level. And a potential running back in list, K-Mac, who played her heart out in the Monaco City, so is this another season where it is progression in Denver? Because I don't see them being, even if LA falters, which I doubt with Salerno and company, with the veterans that they have there, uh, Denver has an uphill battle in the West to even make some relevance. Uh, it's, I, I doubt it. Um, yeah, I really haven't seen any progression from Denver over the past few years. Um, they just, they don't, they don't look like, I mean, they, They've gotten some, you know, some plays. I, I go, I harken back to the uh, Omaha game. I thought that was a great game. They they played strong in that game, uh, but again, it comes down to are they going to be able to get over the hump? And I just think number one, they haven't shown much progression over the years. And number two, you got two heavyweights up top um, uh, in, in Seattle, and uh, Think it's really just just too much of a, a, a high hill to climb unless some things really go bad for both of those teams. But I don't anticipate them will be making much noise out west unless they make an upset uh, here and there. But I doubt it. Yeah, I'm with you there. So Troy, we got we got to like just power rank them at this point. So in the west, we're going to do Seattle first, Austin second. We're going to take LA above Denver, and in the east. We are taking Atlanta, Chicago, and obviously Omaha, and then Nashville. So Denver and Nashville would be the teams that would have to prove in 2019 that they can elevate their game to another level. You have the top dogs in each conference. It is uh, Atlanta's year to not disappoint once again, right? And it is Seattle's year to win it all and with the send-off, right? Everybody in Seattle – it, on that roster has one big legends cup every other year, if not every year going in. And then obviously the, the players in Chicago have won consistently. And now they're trying to elevate a rookie class to that level to maintain that franchise's legacy of excellence. So really it's going to be a hard road. Um, I would have to give the West, the legends cup winner once again, this year, given what tools and athletes are on the other side roster, but out of the East, uh, we could see Chicago surprise uh, or we could see Atlanta also surprise, 
but I doubt somebody in the East is going to win it the cup. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, I just think overall, I would say the two teams that I expect to be there at the end uh, would be Seattle and Atlanta. I just think that's that's the way it's going to pan out. I just think those are their two uh, best teams in their respective divisions. And I think they're going to meet up at the top. Um, Michael Singh getting back in there, and, and um, I just think that's really the biggest thing uh, to get these guys going. Uh, so that's what I expect. I expect that team. I expect that to be in the championship game. And I, I don't know. I think I would think that right now. I would say I'm going to pick Atlanta to win it. I think this is their year. I think this is the year they get over the hump. Um, uh, Dakota Hughes goes out as a champion, and um, yeah, I think I'm going to roll with that one, man. That'll be my nice prediction. All right, I can't go against Randall Snore, and I certainly can't go against. Uh... Michelson right now. So at this point I'm I'm it's taking hard. the miss. It's hard to do that, man. It's hard for me to do that right now, but I, it's I, almost I, like I saying do we want to go against the Patriots? <laughs> That's literally what right. my point is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know that I know that roster is stacked up, man, but I just think you know what, Atlanta it's time for them to get over the hump this year. I think this is the year they do it. So Troy, uh, I got an internal message tweet from a big-time hardcore LFL fan, and he says the Miss will be toying with everybody in the West. That's what he said. That's, that's, so, completely, that's completely plausible, and I, I, I definitely oh, agree with that one. I think it won't even. I don't know. Out there. Oh, I don't know, man. But uh, that sounds scary. <laughs> sounds scary. Toying with the okay, well. Uh, so there's our LFL preview for 2019, and the seasons kick off this coming weekend. It is uh, Seattle Miss taking on Los Angeles Temptation, Troy. This is a, the Snake against Matheny and Company. Uh, it is uh, a battle. It's uh, at home against in Los Angeles and Ontario. And so um, given the roster that we just talked about, Troy, um, are you taking Los Angeles over Seattle? No, I'm going to go Seattle. I just think that they just have way too much firepower. They're going to be excited to get all their horses back in the barn um, up there in uh, within Seattle, and I just think that it's going to be way too much excitement. They got way too much firepower for L.A. Give me Seattle on this one. Uh, L.A.'s got to prove it first before I start throwing their names out there as far as beating a team like that. All right. So, um, Temptation Nation, you heard it from Troy get your groove on or you're going to obviously see the defeat first home defeat in 2019. So uh, we'll see how Ashley Salerno does out there on her return. Uh, and then obviously against KK Matheny. So big time rivalry in the West coast, right? Troy, this is miss LA. This is, I've been ongoing for almost nine years and this is a marquee opener for the LFL. Yeah, two great two-story franchises out there. I mean, and they got a pedigree to you know as far as when it comes to winning. So yeah, I definitely want to see what it goes when it pans out. Both teams got you know they're bringing in some new players in Seattle's uh, standpoint, some new old players, um, players that's familiar with things. But you know you you're, you got a little bit of excitement. You want to see how LA puts it together. I, I really want to see if that statement that the owner gave regarding you know the status. Um, of their organization 
I really want to see if that is a galvanizing thing. You know, that's that's what athletes do. They take any kind of negativity and they try to turn it into a positive. And we'll see if LA can do that. Um, I still think Seattle is going to win it, but I, we'll see how LA comes out and fights. All right. So um, keep an eye on it. Uh, April Friday, April fifth is the kickoff for Legends Football League Week One. Seattle Miss taking on Los Angeles Temptation. So so uh, Ashley Salerno taking on Kiki Matheny and company. Don't miss it. If you're in LA tickets and head out there, it's going to be a great showing. These are two great uh, teams with a bunch of veterans that play LFL style play. So it's pretty awesome. Um, Troy week one, it was the uh, USFL that's kicked off this weekend. US, USWSFL, I'm sorry, USWSFL, the United States women's football league. So uh, Keystone got routed 42 to zero by the three-time champion Washington prodigy. It is the uh, West, the West Virginia Wildfire got uh, beat, edged in overtime, eight to zero in a very competitive defensive battle, from what I heard from Fayetteville Fierce. And then the DMV Lady Knights uh, got uh, shut out, twenty-eight to zero, by the Iron Woman runner-up Hampton Lady Gators. And then the Tri-City Thunder, forty-seven to zero, taking care of Central Carolina Cardinals, which is a brand new team. So we'll keep you updated on the USWSFL for week two. Check out this stuff at our facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties on at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. All right. So let's go into X SFL week seven, uh, South Texas Cobras 22 to 13 over Kingsville, uh, the empire, the sirens fall to the divas 12 to seven and the uh, South Texas generals, uh, win a by forfeit 30 to zero. At this point, the Generals are six and zero, undefeated in the season, just killing it. And South Texas Cobras right behind them, five and one. Uh, and then the River City Sirens four and two. Kingsville Empire three and three. See, uh, the Corpus Christi Divas two and four. Loretto Warhawks one and five. And the uh, Texas Lady Spartans zero oh and six. Week eight previews already up there on our Facebook page. So go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties for the XSFL Texas. Then we're going to go week, week two in the Women's Football League and Legend Style Play in Mexico. It is Amazonas, 36-8. to eight, And the big upset, Troy, against the champion Red Devils. Huge upset, 36-8 to eight after the Red Devils came off week one uh, with a 37-0 defeat of the Mambus. So the champs get slapped in the head here by the Amazonas. Amazonas uh, won week one, uh, 20 to 14 against the Rangers. So huge, huge upset here. Get the details at the fa- on our Facebook page as well from uh, Deportivo Quintana Roo and all the network partners that we have in that region. Torianas actually rebound from getting uh, that defeated uh, in week one, 12 to six by the Vaqueras. So they defeat the Vipers 20 to 13. V Queen 79 to zero versus uh, Vaqueras. So Vaqueras kind of lose after that 12-6 victory. And then Rangers, 46-8 versus the Mambas. Mambas having a bad year, start-up year here. They have uh, scored only eight points through two weeks. Chitaras, 29-25, and a big contested matchup here against the Patriots. Patriots have uh, had been routed 60-0 in the week one, and they rebound to put up 25 points. So that's going to be pretty, uh, you know, pretty good rebound for them. Uh, against uh, Shataras. So week three 
of the WFL legend style play in Mexico. We'll get that updated for you this weekend as the action comes about. But uh, V Queens completely owning this league right now, 79 to zero in week two, 68 to zero in week one, Troy. That's just offensive and just an, an assault, just basically assaulting everybody in, with, within two weeks here. That's a juggernaut right there. I mean, it doesn't look like it's much competition. I mean, everybody seems like they're just a, a speed bump to, to this team. I mean, they're doing it on offense, defense. Nobody's scoring anything, and they're scoring at will. And uh, it's going to take a lot to, to slow that team down, it looks like. All right, so let's hit it. Let's go into uh, talking AAF about what happened here. Uh, let's, get, let's get in the uh, junior Pardo here into the conversation. Hey, Junior, how's it going today? Doing all right, man. A little, a little surprised with the news that are coming out of the AF today. How are you guys doing? Well, bombshell for me. I got all these alerts coming up. I, I got up to get, you know, to get breakfast. And as soon as I got up to get breakfast, I got Sporting News. I got, you know, USA Today. I got CBS Sports. All the alerts just popping up, boom, 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 about how they're to suspend, the suspending operations, how Mr. Dutton pulled the rug, and uh, at this point, uh, Poland and company are, restru- and Ebersol are trying to restructure themselves um, maybe for another season. So that's what, that's the information that I gathered from all the sources that have been put out so far. Yes, and that's, that's what I, that's what I've been, I've been reading a lot of, a lot of, it, uh, a lot of the articles, a lot of the news, a lot of the tweets, looking everything I can find to see what to see if I can get to the bottom of things because as as you as you are I am very very surprised and and, and it's, it just comes as a, as a as a shocker to me and it's like wow they they, they don't even want to finish season the first season uh, well or Dundon doesn't even want to finish this, the first season it doesn't seem like from from all the reports and and, and I'm dumbfounded right now I'm at a, I'm at a loss for words. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, Troy, uh, what what happened when you heard the news? Did you hear the news already? He's Troy. You still there? No. Um, I don't know if he's, uh, we'll probably get him back on because I think he was on the phone. It kind of cuts in and out. Um, no, uh, Junior. You know, I, I was kind of shocked at the fact that. Uh, rumor has it that apparently he pulled the rug because of some app and, and that he obviously got his cut and that's basically, he doesn't want to lose any more money than he's losing already. And so to me, it's kind of like, you should, whoever got involved with him basically is my, my point here. Probably didn't think this through. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they, from, from all the reports I've read, everyone seems to believe that he's in it for the, the technology that the AAF introduced with the with the app and you know th- towards you know towards gambling, since it's, it's going to be a more uh, of a gambling situation soon for sports, and I think that's what the reports are saying that he was in it for that. He cut his losses at seventy million after eight, after seven weeks because he was he, he came in in week week two, and but a lot of people are calling him a snake. A lot of people are in disbelief that that is that those were his ulterior mo- motives. If if in fact those were his ulterior motives, and you know right now, right now we, you know I don't know I don't I don't really know what to 
what to say because Bill Polian and Charlie Eversole, you know, made it seem, and some of the head coaches too, made it seem like financially they were stable at least to finish the season and then in the offseason figure out the whole financial situation, pay out the creditors, the debtors, and then, you know, get ready for maybe hopefully a season two. But it doesn't seem like that's like that's going to be happening because right now they're letting they're letting the staff go in many teams. They are cutting costs every which way, which leads me to believe that it is financially motivated why Dundon is shutting off the operations. Yeah, and it's a sad situation because, like, to your point is uh, we could have finished the season, but uh, we don't know at this point. I mean, it could just be the fact that they ran out of money, and this is the right thing to do, just to, you know, let everybody go now instead of trying to keep everybody afloat. And You know, in the past you've had leagues completely take advantage of people play this play the remaining weeks but didn't pay out their you know their fees or their contracts and stuff like that so i don't know if this is maybe a better thing at this point just to be honest about cutting your men's and just saying there's no way you can survive yeah i mean i i, I mean the only thing we can do is sit and wait really see what what else transpires because i also saw a note and i want to say it was from dundon uh, him saying or a note saying that that they they want to get ready for for season two. They want to look over the account, the the finances, cut some of the people. Uh, a lot of people are will be fired effective immediately tomorrow. So I mean I, I don't know I don't. Right now there's too too much things out there. I don't know what to believe. I don't know what's real, what's fake. I, I don't I don't even know if it's financially motivated that that this is what this is happening. It seems that way to me, but, oh, you know, one can only guess at this point. Yeah. Um, I'm, it's, it's a situation I think that nobody knows at this point. I, I, all the reports that I've had, um, you know, from all those, you know, legit sources that we would consider legit is, is always telling us the, the same thing at this, at this point, they're going to retool. I think we got Troy back here. Um, at this point it's going to be retooling. Um, but you know, what's best for the players and for the people, you know, in operations and administration and everything else is to really just be up front and say, this is just not, not going, you know, we're not going to be able to sustain this going forward. It's just an opportunity for them to go look for something else. Or, you know, obviously the situation is not ever nice when you have to part ways with people, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a horrible situation. And, you know, I feel for the players because they really were working their butts off try to you know trying to make it back into the NFL and some of those players you know I, I think they some of them will make get it get another shot at the NFL and I, I do believe that Charles Johnson could possibly have another shot at the NFL Rashad Ross proved that he could be a very valuable receiver <clears throat> maybe the Redskins will pick him back up uh, Garrett Gilbert proved to be a good quarterback Jamar Summers you know was also very good for the for San Antonio they were very good players in the league and that deserve a shot in, into the NFL. But I do feel for, for those who are, you know, chip on their shoulders trying to prove that they do deserve to be there, aside from, you know, the, the, the real names, the big names that we that we know of. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I do feel bad for the players, though. Junior, um, I got a tweet. Demarek messaged me that Menzel killed it. What do you think? Hey, man. Uh <laughs> 
what can I say? You know, he failed in the NFL, got kicked out of the CFL a week after he signed with the AAF. The AAF shuts down operations. I don't know. What hey, Troy, mean. Troy, what do you think? Is that is that true? Somebody did treat me that. Mazel <laughs> killed it. Coming to Memphis. Hey, that'd be that'd be a nice little narrative, man. That'd be a nice little story. I will tell you what, though. If there was any question about uh, the, the luck of Johnny Manziel, you can sit back and say that. Anything this guy touches turns to mush. You got to say that. <laughs> you it's yeah, oh like yeah, we play football. Junior Junior was Junior was preaching the the first week we got noticed and now it's reality. Junior, look at this, he just crushes it. And then he tweets out uh that um, um, we shouldn't they, they shouldn't be uh, suing the AAF. <laughs> they're going, You're you're giving advice? Come on, guy. <laughs> right, right, right. A guy who can even stay in one team long enough to make an impact. Come on. Uh I, I was told Canada doesn't want him. So maybe he'll show up in the no, CFL. He's uh, he's banned altogether from the CFL. So Canada does not want him at all. They're like, yeah, here, here's your guy back. Take him. We don't want him. <laughs> God, uh, Troy. I don't know. It's sad, don't you think, Troy? This is sad, right? I mean, it's like this is it's just a bummer. We were so hyped for the playoffs. <laughs> we were like into one more week, and we get into the playoffs. The Commanders going strong. Right. Matchets running in. Salt Lake defense was just. T- heating up, uh, the Apollos are just gonna just you know do their thing and man, just a it's it was just like a lead bat in your back of your back uh, your back of your head, just a crack cranium. Well, I mean yep. it's it, it is disheartening, but at the same time it's not not really unexpected. I mean you think about all the leagues that tried to start up, you know, in, in the shadow of the NFL, you had the USFL back in the eighties. That lasted, you know, uh, uh, you know, four or five seasons. That folded. Then the XFL that folded. XFL is doing their second chance at it in 2020. We'll see how that goes. And then, you know, of course, then you see what's going on with the AAFL. Also, don't forget NFL Europe. You know, that didn't work out as well either. So, you know, it's, you know, when you've got the bully on the block and that's the best product, it's really hard to – uh, capture the uh, the attention of, of the masses. I really think, though, if people would have given it a bit of a chance, they would have saw that, you know, they, it started to become a, a more quality product. Um, I would say, you know, after the first few games, you really started to see teams get their legs under them. And uh, it really started to put things together. As you said, the Salt Lake City, they started to play some stellar defense out there. They wanted the better defensive teams out there when they started to put things together. Orlando, they were on a tear. Um, Atlanta struggled a lot, but, you know, I, I felt like, you know, maybe uh, with another season they would have maybe uh, started going in the right direction. So there was some progress out there. You started to see teams uh, kind of make that happen. Alabama was, uh, you know, uh, or Birmingham, excuse me, they started to, uh, you know, maybe they, they were kind of up and down all season, but you started to see some glimpses of hope there too. So, it's kind of disheartening. Um, I was really looking forward to the game, watching the games on the weekends. That was my football fix right there. But, you know, again, hopefully uh, with Dundon, he, you know, does another infusion of cash, even though he sank, uh, you know, from their terms, another $70 million in cash last week. Uh, so we'll see what, what happens. Uh, but 
It looks like it's uh it's probably over. Yeah, it looks like it's a wrap right now and uh my 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 biggest concern is that Dundon believed he wanted believed that he could make this league turn this league into the official developmental league into the for the NFL knowing that the NFL has the money and the backing to have their own uh, developmental league which it is actually college football the developmental league for the NFL so it doesn't it didn't really make sense it, it seems to me more like a spiteful move from Dundon because he didn't get what he wanted which was the NFL Players Association permission to get NFL caliber players into the AAF and seeing that that's, that wasn't going to happen then I think he just said screw it we're shutting down there's no point Polian and Eversol didn't didn't feel strongly about it that, that they need that they needed the NFL uh, practice squad players to come into the AAF to keep it alive which I didn't think it was needed either. The the the, the ratings weren't horrible. They were pulling five to uh, four to five hundred thousand viewers a weekend, which is not bad for only four games. That's like averaging two hundred thousand, some two hundred some thousand uh, viewers per game, which is not bad for a for a league that's only uh, eight weeks old. So I mean, that that was that, I think that's that's my personal opinion. It was a spiteful move. By Dundon, and you know, yeah, I, I just I really think that was the death killer because if they would have not gotten his infusion, I don't know if we would have just seen a four week season at this point. Remember, it was like almost week five; they would have shut it down at some point if they wouldn't have gotten some sort of funding to this to this point. So, I'm I'm, I'm with Troy. I think. Uh, you know, the guy saw something bleeding, or at this point he didn't get what he wanted, and he just decided, "Hey, I'm cutting my men's now." Yeah, he definitely, he definitely didn't get, he definitely didn't get what he wanted, which was the backing from the NFLPA. And I mean, I get, I get it as an investor. You know, I get it. You you have to cut your losses, and he he saw it as you know he was bleeding money, and he cut his losses. From a, from an investor standpoint of view, I see it. I, I just wish, you know, they would release the numbers, the money numbers, the, the financials. I want to see an annual report pretty much on the AAF, how much they were bleeding, and if, they, if, 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 if it was uh, profitable at all whatsoever. See if this could have been well, avoided. Well, one of the things that we've seen or, or what we've heard is that the vendors also uh, for these uh, that supply uh, services uh, for the lead, they aren't being paid either. So, you know, somebody's holding back cash, and, and when it comes down to that, creditors aren't being paid. Um, you know, it could be a situation where, you know, if you have a concession stand there and uh, and the vendors that deliver the food and drinks, and if they're not being paid, they're not going to show up. So it's, it's, it's really starting to get bad out there uh, from what I read. And, and the thing is, when Dundon agreed to front that cash, he effectively became, you know, became the chairman of the controlling board. owner. Yeah. And controlling owner. And, so, yeah. And they gave him unilateral decision to make whatever decision that he wanted to make. And that's including, you know, uh, folding the league up. And, and it looks like that's what he's chosen to do. And so um, in, in seeding that move to him, you know, for the cash, 
the AAF uh, effectively sold their soul with the devil, so to speak. And I'm not going to sit back and say he's a bad guy for doing it because I agree with you, Junior. Um, you know, if you're bleeding cash like that, look, it's, it's, it's your money. And you definitely decide whether or not you want to continue to sink that into it, especially if you don't see it as a, as a profitable investment. But at the end of the day, um, you know, if you he made a commitment to do so, and then he saw at the end that, you know, this, the, the commitment really wasn't going to be fruitful for him. So it looks like he just decided to pull out. Yeah, he decided to jump ship because I get it. I get it. You're bleeding money. You 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 have to cut your losses short before your ship goes under. I I understand. I, I we see it in the stock market all, all the time, real estate market. You have to cut your losses. You have to know when to walk. And it seems the it seems that way right now from the Dundon standpoint. You know, he he knew when to walk. He knew it wasn't making him any money. And that's why I just say I wish we could see the financials, the annual report for the AAF, just to just to have a better understanding. Because the, the the annual reports tell you everything you need to know about a company, if it's if it's profitable, non profitable, if it's just bleeding money, a bad investment, good investment, and I just wish we could see everything, be transparent about it. Well, you know, uh, Eversol in Poland did come out to make a statement and they made it very clear even when before the launch that uh that the alliance was never supposed to compete with the nfl supposed to be the opposite right so it would have been somewhat of a developmental league in the spring but it would not it would not have any ties to the nfl so this is where the issue i think breaks down where dundon really at that point wanted to hook up to the big gorilla just for future earnings basically it would have been a better well, option for him, basically. Well, yeah, you look at it from that standpoint. But my thing is, is that I feel like that Polian and and the, the earlier um, the early decision makers for the AF, I think they made a, a mistake of not aligning themselves with the NFL. If it would have come in as a developmental league, I think it would have had a better chance. I mean, as you saw as um, uh, NFL Europe. Um, that initially was a developmental league, and it lasted, you know, longer than one season, certainly. Uh, maybe at the end it wasn't as um, as profitable either, but it did last longer. And and that's the thing. If you market yourself or you, you make a deal, rather, as a developmental team, uh, developmental league for the NFL, and, and you work that out with the NFL PA beforehand, I think that's better. But to try to work it out, you know, a few days before D-Day or a few hours actually before D-Day where you're going to shut down the league, I think that's really putting yourself in a very bad negotiating standpoint at the least. And not to mention, you, you, you kind of wager uh, these things with everyone that's involved in the league, that being creditors, players, coaches, and everyone else involved in all of these front offices. And not to mention the families because some of these people have moved out to these places to play in this league and now they're out. Uh, a paycheck also So it's a lot of things To, un- to unpack here with this Yeah but you know the College college is the developmental league For the for the NFL Because these players in college They, pay, they, they play for free Essentially Creates an immensely amount of revenue For these universities they attend They play for free The NFL doesn't have to shell out any kind of money to these players beforehand, if if there was a developmental league deal, then the NFL will have to pay, you know, try to keep that league afloat. 
but that's not the case with uh, college football. With college football, is it's totally free. The, the players come in, or they, they can play four years, the best football, but they're still under the rookie contract, which is nothing like you see, like with Adele Beckham or an Antonio Brown, like a Leo Mack, you know, any of those contracts, which are like $90 million, $110 million guarantee, these crazy, ridiculous numbers. You know, the NFL doesn't have to shell out that kind of money until like year five of a player's career. So that that is and, – and it's not like basketball because basketball, you have the one and done. You have you do one year and then you're done. Then at that point, if you want to go to the D League, the developmental league for the NBA, you can do that to develop the players. In college, you get three years. In three years, you, you, you can become a pretty good football player in three years. So the NFL that doesn't see the need to have an actual developmental league because just they're farming players from college. And and that's why it would have never worked as a developmental league, in my opinion, because the NFL doesn't have to shell out the cash to fund a developmental league. I agree with that. That's why LFL Europa failed, because they were funding it, and they didn't want to fund it any longer in that sense. Um, so the quote that was from Polian uh, via ESPN – uh, quote, when Mr. Dunn took over, it was the belief of my co-founder, Charlie Ebersol, and myself that we would finish the season, pay our creditors, and make the necessary adjustments to move forward in a manner that made economic sense for all. Momentum generated by our players, coaches, and football staff had us well positioned for future success. Regrettably, we will not have that opportunity, unquote. So there you go. Uh, from Bill Poland, unfortunately very not happy with the uh, – pull under the rug mentality from Dutton. Yeah, and I think that that quote stems more from uh, an optimistic standpoint. Uh, and I'm talking preseason. Before the, the, the league started, they were hoping to to have more fans in the stands, more viewers, more sales. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's my take on that quote because they were hoping to generate more revenue than they were, uh, than they were bleeding cash. And it seems that that wasn't the case. They weren't re- uh, generating as much revenue as they hoped, they, uh, hence the cash infusion from Dundon. And, and that's why that's a, a tricky statement for me because you 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 were planning on paying the creditors after the fact with with what money? Dundon's money? He still wants to pay his $250 million investment. Or this would, this would eventually happen because – as, as an investor, you know that you have to cut your losses if you are losing. Everyone, everyone that has invested knows that you have to cut your losses, and that's what Dunman did. And that's where Polian and Eversol, I think, failed was, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But they always hoped that the defense was there, the generating revenue was there, ticket sales were there, ratings were there, and, and they got – you know, some teams just weren't putting fans in the stands, and they weren't selling tickets. So that was a big, big issue. Yeah, we talked about Memphis. Uh, we talked about Birmingham Meyer giving away tickets at one point. We also talked about mm-hmm. the Legends just being a bust in Atlanta, competing in that big market. Uh, so, I mean, there was some markets that were sustainable. I mean, I don't know if eight teams would have – I mean, they would have probably had to scale down to – maybe four teams or five teams for the second season. It would have been probably made more sense to have San Antonio South Lake where there was no NFL competition in the spring. 
uh, things That's like that. Totally so, right. I mean, they, they could have revamped it, I guess, in year two if they wanted to. But the, the reality is, is financial, right? If you don't have the means, then you're not going to survive. So it's really what it boils down to. Yeah. Yeah, and there are some rumors. I don't know how true they may be that the XFL may be trying to buy the AAF and some of the teams. I don't know. I just, you know, I was reading on. I was online reading, and those were some of the rumors that I that I read. I don't know how factual they may be, but you know, that's to be determined at this point. Yeah, and I, and it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense to do that, but McMahon's track record is probably selfish and he'll probably go on his own make his own mark because to absorb something else would just not be right but we'll see how they do because that's really the question mark now you know we've already seen what the alliance was capable of doing it's reality uh year two for him because this is the second time he's going to try to get a crack at it uh from when i was told uh, troy uh, i don't know if you read but mcmahon basically sold stake in wwe to uh furnish the X, uh, the XFL for 2020s, from what I heard. Yeah, I definitely heard that. And, he, you know, he's done that a few times to fund, you know, a couple of his projects. So I wasn't surprised when he did that. Um, but, and, and the thing is, is that McMahon has come out and said that he learned from his mistakes. And, you know, I want to see how, I want to see how it pans out because, you know, I thought the, the XFL wasn't, it wasn't a bad product either. I thought it was really, um, was pretty entertaining the way they did things. Um, and they actually went through the full season. So I want to see what he learned from it. I want to see, you know, how, how it uh, opens up. It'll be very interesting to see, especially um, him having another model, a very recent model on how to look at or, or what to look at as far as, you know, how to do things. So junior, yeah, um, we had you, we had you on week to week, uh, really exciting season from week one to week eight uh i mean week eight was so exciting too to be to begin with and we were just starting to gel into you know playoff mode and so uh, i don't know man just this this was just a blow this morning i can't even say any other word just a a big blow. it really was and speaking of week eight i really really i was really scared for the orlando polos i really thought memphis had them I was watching that game in disbelief pretty much. Does mm-hmm. the, the last fourth quarter when the the exact way the Apollos had it to go because Memphis nearly had that game. They they had them against the rope and the Apollos just rope it open like a lee and they, they managed a win. But I, I was really uh, I really didn't think Apollos was gonna pull through. That was a that was a good game, good game to watch, interesting game to watch. Brandon Silvers did a great job uh, leading Memphis to a near victory, which I really thought they were gonna win. And it would have been it would have been kind of like a disappointing ending to the Apollo season, you know. Now that we know it's the end, it would have been a disappointing ending for the season. Yeah, it's true. But at this point, you know, Spurrier, like Spurrier said. I don't know if ever Saul and Poland are going to just claim um, the Apollos as champions because of the record. So it's going to go down in history like everything else in history. So we'll see how that pans out at this point. But, you know, uh, so much excitement within seven weeks. Uh, it was building up momentum. 
Um, I don't know. You know, our prayers basically would be that somebody would come in and salvage it and restart it somehow. But I'm pretty sure if they if they started it at the beginning, they're probably they probably learned some things now up to week after several weeks that they probably can make changes on. Um, so knowing Poland and Eversol, they might just consider restarting it and retooling or doing what they got to do. But uh, I think Dundon was just a business move. Just saw bleeding. He figured I wasn't going to get what he needed. And so at this point, it's just, you know, run with your money and and, and take it. So which is uh, the smart thing to do technically. So we'll see how that either either or turns out. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, it'll be interesting to see for for certain. But back to the point of uh, Dundon being in it for the technology of it, uh, legally he can't, you know, but, but but then again, we don't know that, that were, those were his ulterior motives. So I don't, you know, I don't want to put too much stock behind that reporting that he, he was in it for the technology because, you know, legally, why would you want to get sued over the technology when you are just trying to stop the bleeding of money? You could potentially lose even more money if you spend at a, in a trial, in a lawsuit, I mean, versus yeah, exactly. uh, yeah, or such pointless technology. I mean, not pointless, but there's really no point in going after that. So, Junior, um, I don't know if this is our last AAF show that we're going to do because, you know, given what's going on right now, but it's been a pleasure having you on, uh, talking AAF. Um, so you're always welcome back. We got NFL season coming up in the fall. Uh, you can always welcome back to di- chime in on NFL as well. Uh, we're just going to have to oh, kind of wait and see. We're, we're going to have to wait and see, see what happens in the next couple of weeks here in terms of any news from the leadership at the AAF. You know, there's a lot of former NFL players, Hall of Famers, they were involved with it too. So uh, I don't know if they're going to pull some resources, you know, and do what they got to do, maybe keep it afloat and stuff based on, like you said, based on all the matrix that they got from the eight weeks feedback. So, I mean, it, it could be a situation where somebody maybe comes in and redoes the whole thing and, and, and brings it back to life. So, I mean, that's our crossing our fingers, of course, but could be the situation. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it'll be, it'll be nice to, it'll be nice to, it'll be a nice thing to follow for the next couple of weeks, just to see what the plans are, what Dundon's plans are, Eversol and Polian's plans are, because Clearly, Eversol and Polian do not want to call it quits. But uh, at the end of the day, this is not their decision to make. They have to live with the fact that they gave Dundon majority of control. I mean, control ownership of the league after the infusion. And that's that's something that they have to deal with internally. And hopefully we see more reports come out of the league. I think we will. So, um Junior, welcome back. Next week, if you want to come back, we got to talk uh, NFL draft. We're going to be talking NFL uh, OTAs, offseason. So uh, you're welcome to f- come back on your regular scheduled time. But we're going to be talking, obviously, NFL, more NFL. And if you're w- uh, welcome to do that, you're welcome back. All right, man. I would be – I'll be uh, reading up on catching up on my NFL. And I'll be back next week then. All right, chime in, and then uh, we'll be talking draft, NFL draft, and we'll also be talking, you know, off-season news and notes. And so we're looking forward to your thoughts as well on the uh, what's going to happen for the fall. So thanks for coming in. Uh, big news today, just card breaker for a lot of, you know, AAF fans, especially some of us that have became AAF fans. So uh, we'll see uh, how that ter- turns out and whether 
this league is going to re, you know, reinvent themselves and then come, come strong and maybe in 2020. All right, man. Thanks for having me again. And it has been a pleasure doing this every week with you guys and to the fans. I'm sorry. It, you know, it seems to have come to an abrupt ending this way, but hopefully we'll, you know, we know more. And if more comes out, we can, you know, do another episode and discuss what, you know, what the future of the AAF may be. But thanks again for having me. It's been a pleasure. And I've, I'll be talking to you guys. All right, Junior, we'll catch you next week. So we'll talk NFL if that's the case, all right? All right, buddy. Thanks for having me. Have a good night, guys. See you, man. All right, Troy, I mean, that's just a bummer for him, you know? Big-time AF fan, just getting into it. Just a lot of fans right now bummed. Orlando, fans in Orlando, fans in San Antonio, probably a couple fans in, in, uh, in South Lake who were just, you know, looking for that defense to just kind of blossom out, so. Just a bummer. Yeah, it's a tough break, man. It's a tough break. I mean, but you know, um, as I said, I mean, it's not, it's not so, it's not very inconceivable. Like I said, you know, you got uh, the NFL, you know, with that shadow looming, and you, anything football you compare it to the NFL, um, you would like to see um, it be a little bit different. Where, as, as we stated before, the NBA has the D League. And you have NHL and MLB, both of those have their minor leagues and different levels on their minor league teams. Uh, so you would like to see something like that for the NFL. Don't understand why they don't have um, things like that, but I think maybe it is because, you know, uh, when it comes to uh, American football, it is probably where well, it is the most popular sport in America right now. And so everything really gets compared to the NFL. Um, and it's it really hard. It's really difficult to garner the attention of, of football fans um, if it doesn't have that logo on it and you put pro football on the front of it. And I think a lot of teams out there that, that play pro football, they're starting, they realize that. And the ones that, you know, put butts in the seats, you know, uh, it's great for them. You know, we see the LFL, the LFL still struggling along. They have their fan base. Um and and so you you compare you know a little bit to, uh, but even with them you still compare those uh, those teams to NFL teams and how they operate. So I wish them the best. Um, I hope things can get worked out, but it looks pretty dire. But I think the next example that we'll have will come up in 2020, and then we'll see what the XFL is and and see how um, the McMahon family um, kind of turns out their product. All right, so let's go from one bum mo- moment here that we've had. <laughs> this is bumming today for for the news. You know, we were we were getting excited to talk about week eight and how week nine was going to just evolve into this playoff mode. And I don't know, just like it's like candy taking candy from a baby, just literally just making us cry basically at this point. Um, but let's get let's go into excitement, right? We got WNFC coming up here, Troy, uh, this coming weekend, April sixth. And we have Atlanta taking on the Alabama Fire uh, April 6th. It's the launch here. Uh, it's going to be very exciting. Atla- Atla- Alabama Fire in the w- uh, WFA was very explosive. Atlanta Phoenix Division One contenders pretty much every year with D.C. Divas. So there's two good quality football teams here, Atlanta versus uh, Alabama in week one here. 
Then we have Denver, Nebraska. We have no idea what Nebraska or Denver are about because they're brand new teams, the Bandits and the Nighthawks. So um, we are waiting and see in terms of their uh, week one on-field play and see how that's going to turn out in terms of output, in terms of numbers and offensive and all that. Um, Texas Elite Spartan will be taking on the Houston Heat. So uh, Houston, brand new squad with veteran players, obviously from the Houston area. And then the Elite is always Elite, right, Troy? So we know what they're about. Absolutely. They have the pedigree. Um, you know, they have that winning pedigree um, with their franchise. So uh, you know what they're about. They come out there and, and they want to win the championship. So um, I think that'll be the same target as it is every year. But I think they'll uh, they'll be in the thick of things when it, when it all shakes out. So reality is Houston's got a big hurdle to deal with, and they got to be awake because if they aren't awake, they're going to get routed. It's usually the elite way. They just get routed early and disappointment sets in in the second half because you just get routed. So uh, if you're the Houston Heat, uh, you better bring some heat. <laughs> Sparta Nation is going to bring heat. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. They're, they're a juggernaut. They're almost like Seattle Miss <laughs> in their roster. Uh, the roster on this uh, Sparta elite, you know, Texas elite Spartans are, is, is kind of like the Miss in terms of, you know, uh, veteran uh, gold medalists and a lot of, you know, veteran players. So they're, they're coming. Um, Utah, Troy, we know what Utah's about. Bean, being one of the quarterback leaders of the Utah Falcons, our co-host here. And so they're going to be taking on the Las Vegas Silver Stars. I, I don't know if I want to feel bad for the Stars right now because Utah literally is just platoon. Remember, we talked about it with Coach. They're, they're just a platoon. They just keep coming. And that team, uh, you talk about championship pedigree. Wow. I mean, they, they just really, they, they chop it. I mean, it's really hard to stop that team. Uh, they're so quick and, and, and they operate uh, with so much um, precision, especially on the offensive side of the ball, uh, running that option that they do. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things where it's incredible to watch. And they're just a, they're always going to be a tough, tough team to, to deal with. And it's because they're effective and, and they can and run the football the way that they can and and they just operate effectively. So that's one of those championship pedigree teams. That's one of the teams where you sit back and say they fly a flag and uh, and because they 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 win titles. And I think you know again along with um, you know some of the other juggernauts that we already talked about. I think they will be in the thick of things when all things are said and done. All right. So we got. Um... We got Seattle Majestic, former WFA, WFL standouts, taking on the Los Angeles Bobcats. And so L.A. is, uh, this is kind of, you know, the same as Seattle Miss versus L.A. Temptation mentality here. It's a West Coast rivalry here. Seattle taking on Los Angeles. Uh, our co-host, Holly Custis, as well as the infusion of international players. We'll see how much of an impact that's going to have for Seattle against L.A. L.A. out there with Bobby Hosea and company, they got to make a statement. Uh, their scrimmage game against Utah was not very good, 49-0. Didn't show very much promise. So what do you think, Troy? Think Majestics and, and Custis take this one? Absolutely. Um, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I always got to go with my linebacker, folks. Um, I think Holly and, and her, her, her defense, they're really going to step up to the challenge. I mean, they had a little bit of a tough road last year, 
uh, to get back on track. Um, Holly, I know she's healthy right now. She's getting back into it. So, yeah, she's chomping at the bit to, to, to get back out there and play and put on that uniform. So I, I fully think that Seattle will go ahead and take that. Seattle's got Gabby Knobs, and we uh, we just talked to Sylvie Ibish. And so there's a bunch of uh, international players, Danny DeGroot coming back. So uh, just a roster that is with international players. So L.A.'s got their uh, work cut out for them in week one. So we'll see how the Bobcats do here. Uh, the North Florida Pumas will be taking on the New Orleans Hippies. Troy, that just doesn't – it's not a furious name. You know what I mean? The New Orleans Hippies. Too mellow of a name, I think. But anyways, that is what it is, New Orleans Hippies. And they're taking on the New, uh, North Florida Pumas. The North Florida Pumas are going to be broadcast via YouTube, Charleston Sportsnet, and that all season long. Congrats to them for making that happen. So you can get uh, live action via YouTube on charlestonsports.net, coverage of the North Florida Pumas. So you'll get that action on uh, against uh, the New Orleans Hippies as well. Uh, so, uh, Troy, I think uh, Pumas probably edge out here because we have no idea what the Hippies are about yet. So we could be surprised. But at this point, uh, Pumas do come with some nice pedigree, a cha- uh, you know, with the uh, playoff uh, experience in the USWSFL prior to coming here. So we'll, I'm pretty sure the Pumas might be able to pull this out. Yeah, you know, um, I think experience is, is the biggest key, you know, especially going up against the hippies, man. You know, you never know how it's going to turn out. I mean, with them being new. <laughs> I really I'm really. i just saying, dude, that's not, a, that's not a big scary name, you know what I mean? The New Orleans hippies. Yeah, I don't know. But anyways. I'm gonna have, I want to have some fun with that name. I think that's, that's, that's yeah, I'm awesome. serious, man. That's. I, I I applaud the ownership for being creative, but that just doesn't strike fear. You know, it's not like the New Orleans Saints. You know, right, just uh, mellow out, man. You know, yeah, mellow out. Yeah. Let's 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 hope their season. Let's hope their season isn't a big donut uh, rails because that's really going to go towards their name. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it's going to be a lot of jokes coming after that. Any kind of mistake they make, so. Yeah, I'm worried about that a little bit, but I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to have some fun with that one. All right. Um, the Rebellion, uh, Kenji Martin out there taking on the San Diego Surge, Christina, uh, Christina's team out there in San Diego. So um, San Diego Surge, veterans, t- veteran team, uh, former champion in the WFA, always very good, uh, has veteran leadership coming back. So uh, the Rebellion, rebuild from last year, uh, adding new tools, um, Kenji, uh, Kenji Martin was in the uh, D2 playoffs against Mahai Blaze. So uh, I think this is the battle of uh, San Diego, which is a, it's going to be a great matchup. Yeah, San Diego is a strong, strong franchise. I, I really want to see what they, what they can come out with this year. Um, was definitely impressed with them last year and, and the way they operate. So I think San Diego pulls it up. So do you want the surge or the rebellion? Which San Diego? I'm gonna go with both San Diego's. No, I'm just kidding. Give me, uh, give me the rebellion, man. I'm gonna go with the rebellion. I'm, I'm gonna go with them. I think they, 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 they take it out this year. All right. Well, Katie Otten uh, and then Katie Otten and Angie Martin just gave you a high five because that's that's their <laughs> mouth. So there we go. Rebellion taking on the surge. Uh, it's gonna be tough. I'm gonna have to go against you. I think the surge you know, pulled this one out. You know what? Let me let me change that. I'm sorry. I'm gonna go with the surge. 
I think the surge. Oh, ouch! I'm changing. I'm changing, man. I'm changing. I, I, the surge. They they are definitely one of the stronger teams out there. So I, I'm going to go with them. I think they take the momentum that they have from last year into this year. I'm going to go with the surge on this one. All right, so we're going to surge on there. All right, so uh, week one of the WNFC, uh, it is the Atlanta Atlanta versus Alabama, Denver versus Nebraska, two new uh, expansion teams. We have no idea what they're about. The Texas Elite against the Houston Heat. I already feel sorry for the Heat at this point. Utah versus the Las Vegas Silver Stars. Uh, same thing there, right, Troy? Bill Payne already before starting there. Uh, Seattle versus uh, L.A. Bobcats. Um, and then uh, North Florida Pumas versus the New Orleans Hippies, which will be on Charleston Sportsnet. Uh, and then SD the Rebellion versus San Diego Surge. So we're really looking at this in terms of a big weekend. We are hoping, Troy, for very close matchups. I just, based on the schedule, I just don't see Texas, Houston close, Utah, Las Vegas close. I, I don't even see Seattle, LA close. And I have no idea what we're going to expect in terms of Denver, Nebraska. So, Yeah, I, I agree with you there. There's a lot of unknowns out there. I think the Utah game is definitely going to be a blowout. Um, Las Vegas, man, they're just, they're just starting out too. I mean, they they, they running right into the juggernaut, coming right out the gate. So, I'm de- yeah, it looks like it's going to be a lot of blowouts, man. But hopefully, you know, we'll be surprised. We see some closer games and, you know, we get a little bit more to talk about. I hate talking about blowouts. I don't. I don't like to see those where you know, especially the team gets beaten fifty to nothing, and I think it's really bad for the league, also. So hopefully, we see some parity in the first week. So Troy, we talked about all the great stuff up to this point, right? The Dem- the WNFC hype, the Adidas deal, Riddell, right? The incentive that just came out today, uh, this past week, where uh, player of the week from each conference will get two hundred fifty bucks if they're named player of the week, plus they're going to get a hundred dollar credit for Adidas gear. And if you're named monthly player of the month, you're going to get basically a Riddell new, new, new Riddell helmet. So now it is week one. It is on the field. The pressure is now on the athletes. Is that correct? To perform at a high competitive level to shine this league even higher. Well, yeah, you do that because you, you, you've incentivized. So, you know, you know, you just add a little bit of fun to it, you know. Um, but I really think it is on the athletes. I think um, the and, – and that's the way it really should be. The league is really dependent upon how good the athletes are. I think everything has really been put into place where the league has sponsors and, um, and you know, they have viability in that, from that standpoint. So now it's really just time to operate on the field and, and, and put out a good product. And teams are really going to be um, – they're, they're really going to have, uh, have to put that better product, a good product out on the field because that's really what it depends on, the lifeblood of the league. So I really anticipate that it will. I mean, it's been a lot of hype in the off season, a lot of talk about this. And, and now that that weekend is here, and, and I know all these teams want to put on a good showing, and hopefully they will. All right. So – Here's the uh, feedback that I got from our co-hosts that are not here. So basically, um, let's look at this uh, in a perspective here because none of them are here. But uh, for Holly and Louise Bean, the WNFC, uh, you know, they think of Atlanta as being a dark horse. Depending on who they bring back, 
They're typically athletic. That being said, since it's a new league, things will work themselves out during the coming weeks. So that's the perspective of, from Bean and Holly at this point. What do you think, Troy? Yeah, that's sensible. I mean, you know, uh, I, I think that's what happens, really. You, you, there are going to be some kinks to work out, and I think that, that goes with everyone. Well, maybe not so much with um, uh, Utah and with the surge and, and um, you know, with Seattle, but I think that's what's going to happen week one with a lot of these teams. They're just working out the kinks and seeing, you know, what their strengths and weaknesses are. All right. So that's week one of the WNFC inaugural week one, April 6th, Atlanta, uh, Phoenix taking on the Atlanta, uh, Alabama Fire, Denver Bandits taking on Nebraska Nighthawks, the Texas Elite Spartans taking on the Houston Heat, Utah Falcons will, uh, will face the Las Vegas Silver Stars, Seattle Majestics taking on the Los Angeles Bobcats, the North Florida Pumas taking on the New Orleans Hippies. As I said before, you can catch that game on Charleston Sports Net, and we'll have the link there on at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Bernard Beauties. And then the San Diego Rebellion taking on the San Diego Search for the Battle of Southern California in San Diego. So that's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, and then, uh, Troy, let's talk WFA. So uh, here's uh, Holly's take here. The WFA is interesting. I do think it's sad that there are only a handful of Division One teams left, and I think they should not they should stop letting the teams decide and maybe do something similar to soccer where they move up or down depending on how they do each season. And that's just her feeling right now. The reason for that is because there's only a, like seven division one teams. There is probably like a handful of division two and then the remaining is division three. So, you know, division two, for example, uh, she likes Mahai as they are stockpiling talent. Interested to see how the past Pittsburgh passion who, downgraded to division two do in this division and also interested to see how the new version of the New York uh, wolves from the New York sharks will do. So Troy, what do you think? I'm really confused about that whole deal. Um, I just, I really don't get it. I don't understand why. So, you, so what they've done is they've, Left it up to the teams to decide what division they're going to play in, as far as Division One, Two, or Three. That's correct. That, that I don't understand. Like, why wouldn't you want to play at the top level? I just don't understand that. Uh, it, it would. I just don't get that. And then that, now, what you've effectively done is you've made Division One not only shorthanded, but then it's also at an odd number. So, you know, they're going to have to do a little bit with the scheduling when it comes to that. Uh, there are a lot of Division three teams that are um, probably not as competitive with the uh, top Division three teams, the teams that's already been, you know, um, have played at a high level. Pittsburgh moving out to Division two just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, maybe someone could shed some light on that one for me. I just – I don't really understand that, but – I think that also goes – that's also going to hinder the competitiveness of the league, um, especially when it's so um, – just it just seems like it's a little bit off kilter, you know. So, so Troy, I, let, me give I, you the, let me give you the rundown. The, the Division One, Division One WFA this season is Arlington Impact, Dallas Elite, Kansas City Titans, and then you have Cali War, which is the former Los Angeles Warriors, technically, and then Portland Shockwave. And then in the East, 
you only have Division One in the East is only the champions, Boston Renegades, and the DC Divas. That's your Division One in the WFA right now. There you go, silent. Yeah, that's that's just a uh, that's odd, you know. Especially, I mean, it just seems like you know they they really um, taking the balance out of that league. You know, so Troy, like you're just having seven seven Division One teams. Yeah, wow. seven Division One. So here's the here's the issue that I have. Okay, here's the issue that I have, and I don't want to just you know go negative right now because we're getting excited for the season, but. The issue that I'm having is you have Arlington and Dallas playing probably Division Three teams in Texas. You have Kansas City is probably going to play only Division Two teams throughout the season. And then you have Cali War and Portland Shockwave doing the same thing, only doing two, Division Two teams probably or Division Three teams throughout the season. Then you have Boston and Divas with the same concept. So really there, none of these Division One teams are playing each other to see who is top dog until you get to what week eight until you really have to elevate your game. And then you're going to have to travel across country to face one of these teams. You still there? Yeah, that sounds like it's a bad recipe. And I think really when you, when you have that, you're going to get that lack of competitiveness and you are getting closer and closer to the WNFC looking like the more competitive um, league, if that pans out that way. So I'm just not yeah. sure what the thinking is with the, you know, with the WFA when making a move like that or allowing something like that to, to go on. It just doesn't make sense to me. All right, so we got more Division Two teams and a slew of Division Three teams. So uh, our co-host said Division Two, uh, they really like Mile High as their stockpiling talent. Interested to see what the passion will do. And then Division Three is the Wild Wild West with, I think, almost 30, I want to say over 25, 30 teams in Division Three, which is ridiculous. But anyways, it's the Wild Wild West with Orlando and Arkansas as a top dog. And uh, the only objection was McKenzie putting him, her Iowa Phoenix in Division Three in the mix as a dark horse. As she would. She, you know, she should be confident in her team. You know, she's in there and sees them, uh, you know, how much work they're putting in. I want to see how Iowa shows up also. Uh, this is going to be great for them. Um, but I just, you know, when it comes to this division, I, I, I really would like to know what the thinking is behind that. I just, it doesn't make sense. And like you said, the travel part of it is going to be prohibited. And are those teams are going to be able to, um, well, the Division One teams, I think they're less prone to, you know, missing games because of the, of you know, travel and things like that. But you've seen that on the lower levels in Division Two and Three. So, oh man, it's going to be interesting to see see what goes on, though, man. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because it's it's kind of like I don't know why we would go that route, but anyways, uh, at this point, uh, we have Boston, DC in the Northeast. We have Cali War and Portland in the West, and in the Midwest. We have Arlington Impact, Dallas Elite, and Kansas City Titans as your Division One. Division Two is going to be very interesting. Um, everybody, uh, Luis and Holly, everybody pretty much agrees. Uh, the top dogs, uh, top dogs for Division One, Troy. They chose DC and Boston, which I, uh, it's the rivalry, anyways. It is the rivalry of the East Coast. It is probably the the WFA marquee rivalry. It is their staple rivalry, and that's uh, Divas. Renegades, and it's not going to change this year. 
Yeah, and, and you would have liked to see Pittsburgh uh, be involved in that rivalry also. But, you know, that's, you know, um, them moving down Division Two makes that less, you know, prominent. But, yeah, that's, you know, D.C. is, is always going to be up there as long as they're operating the way that they do. It's a model franchise inside of WFA is on the east side, uh, on the east coast, rather. So, um, yeah, I fully expect them to, to, to be in, the, in that race of that. New England being what they've done, uh, and they had some huge wins, huge wins the past few seasons. So, um, yeah, you expect them to be there at the end also. All right, so the girls, uh, us and the girls are taking Division Two. Obviously, Mahai has been, you know, in the press pretty much every week uh, up to now. Uh, it's going to be between Mahai, Minnesota, and Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm, th- I'm taking the slam as a dark horse. The St. Louis slam is back, and I think that's going to be a factor. So out of the East, everybody thinks Pittsburgh's going to come out of the East in Division Two. And then in the Midwest, it's going to be a battle of Mile High, Minnesota, and St. Louis. There's nobody out west that anybody's considering at all in Division Two. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to go with Minnesota. I mean, they've they've been doing it for a while now. The Vixens have been a very strong team in the past, and I think they really continue their ways. Mile High took a lot of hits. Um, you know, their biggest hit in the off season was losing their quarterback. Uh, well, one of their quarterbacks, Brooke, Brooke Leach. And um, I think that's a that's a big blow for them. But I know they are, you know, the one thing that we we know is when we when we spoke um, on the phone with their members is that they are very confident going into the season, and, as, and they feel like it's just next man up, and that's the mentality that you want to have out of your team. So, but I think going forward right now, um, Minnesota uh, having that pedigree, I think right now I will pick them to be the front runner division two. All right, so um, Arkansas and Orlando, and then obviously uh, Mackenzie threw in Iowa Phoenix as her favorites at this point, but Luis and Holly are going with Arkansas and Orlando, which I, I'm going to go with Arkansas and Orlando. I don't see anybody else in D3 right now uh, until the season gets going and see who, who actually stands out even more, but they would be my favorites at this point also. Really like that Orlando team. I'm going to go with Orlando on this one. I really like the way they operated last year. Um, and I, th- I think they continue that way this year as well. All right, so Troy, uh, week one in uh, WFA, April 6th, 28 games. Uh, we are not going to go through all 28 games. We've never done it on this podcast, and we're not going to start to do it on this podcast. We are only going to go through some of the relevant key matchups that we feel are, things, are, are games that you need to be looking at. If you guys want to get spotlighted on all 28 games, uh, you can also follow Four Point Stance. Um, Coach uh, Ash Edmondson, and you can follow her on our uh, at uh, Weeble, or you can follow her at Four Point Stance, and she'll go through pretty much every matchup in there. Or you can go to the club, right, Troy, at Burmy, Club Burmy, and you get the lowdown there of all 28 teams if that's the case. But we're going to follow the key matchups here. The number one Division One matchup that we're going to follow this week is going to be Boston Renegades champions at the Tampa Bay Inferno Division Two caliber playoff team so uh, out in florida troy the champs are going to travel first week to the inferno this is a big test for the inferno can they pull an upset here in week one it's going to be tough for the inferno to 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 beat that boston renegades team i mean you know they're the champs for a reason 
And coming off that great season that they had, I really expect the Renegades to to come into Tampa and take care of business down there. I know Tampa is a great team, and and they put things together last year and made the playoffs. But I think this is just a little bit too much of the Renegades in this one. All right. In Division Two, there's a couple of clashes in Division Two. Uh, Cleveland will travel to Pittsburgh, the passion against the fusion. This is a rivalry pretty much every year uh, between a Division One, Division Two. Now uh, Pittsburgh gets downgraded Division Two, so it's kind of an equal footing. So I'm 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 taking uh, I'm going with the upset. Fusion should beat Pittsburgh here, uh, based on the changes in Pittsburgh. So uh, I don't know what your feelings are. But I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. Um, I know they had some changes that happened, but I think that you know they they have they still have some holdovers from the last from the last team that they had, and I think they take that into this game. Uh, it's a rivalry game. Um, Cleveland and Pittsburgh just flat out don't like each other. That city is just always a sports rivalry when it comes to those. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh in this. All right, that was my April Fools, by the way. So I'm going with passion. <laughs> Uh, look, look, we both have switched up our picks at some point today, so there you go. No, of course. <laughs> you saved yourself with the surge, by the way, really, really easily. <laughs> yeah. All right. Real quick. Um, Shockwave Division One taking on Tacoma Trauma, the best name in women's football. The best name in women's football, the Tacoma Trauma. If they can only play that way, Troy, defensively, that would be so awesome. Uh, yeah. Tacoma Trauma taking on the Portland Shockwave. Uh, Portland really last two years have really played their hearts out. They're a very durable team. We don't know how durable they are because they had issues with numbers last year. So we won't know what what's going to happen at this point, but given week one, uh, I would, would have to uh, go with the D one, the D one team, basically. I'm going with Portland on this one. Uh, Tacoma, they, they haven't gotten together in the past few years. Uh, Portland has, has shown that they are a winning team. They got the pedigree, and they've gotten into the, pay, the playoffs uh, several times. Uh, kind of started to overtake a little bit of, of Seattle's thunder when they, you know, uh, when Seattle was one of the top teams up there. So I'm going to go with Portland in this one until Tacoma shows me they can traumatize anyone. I will go ahead and continue to pick the opposite teams. Awesome, good, good pun right there. Good one. Um, my high blaze. Taking on Rocky Mountain Thunders. The Thunder was very relevant in Division Three last year in the playoffs. Came really close to making a big point. So uh, this is kind of an in-state rivalry. So Mile High has got their uh, work cut out for them. Mile High has been hyping this whole season the whole time. I don't think they want to go into week one and losing. What do you think, Troy? Give me Mile High on this one. I just think that they have a lot to prove, um, you know, especially losing Brooke in the offseason. Uh, people started to write them off a little bit, and it seems like to me that they have, um, you know, they, they circled the wagon, so to speak. So I think they come out fighting this one. I think they take Rocky Mountain. All right. Um, the big the big clash in Division Two, Troy, Midwest clash, Minnesota against Division One Kansas City Titans. The Titans have downplayed in the past, and they have gotten beaten by Minnesota, so their the ranking doesn't mean anything because most in most people's eyes Minnesota should be D one. Minnesota is a very very strong team, and I I, I got to go with them. Um, Kansas City, uh, they lost a lot also. Um, you know they lost Brook Leach, um, but you know now they have their. Um, I'm, I'm trying, 
what are they doing at the quarterback position? Is it going to be the same quarterback that was uh, switching with uh, uh, Brooke last year? I don't know at this point until we get the rosters put out or the numbers yeah. come out in the week one. Yeah, and that's the thing. You see, I need, I need answers at the quarterback position. So until I see that happen, I got to go with Minnesota here on this one. So you're gonna go. You're gonna go with the girl, Kirsten Hansen, and the and the Vixen. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Um, Division three, so we can get out of here. Uh, it's gonna be Jacksonville Dixie Blues taking on the ch- uh, champion Orlando Anarchy, and Orlando is uh, two years in a row. Troy, runner up the, uh, the year before, champion last year. They want to give up that crown. Orlando's on tear right now. Jacksonville still hasn't shown enough. Um, Orlando is really um, starting to solidify themselves as one of the top teams in the WFA. Give me Orlando at home and a laugher on this one. All right, there we go. And then the return of the St. Louis Lamb taking on the runner-up Arkansas Wildcats and former champions of the three Arkansas Wildcats. So the Slam returns, and they're taking on uh, their uh, Midwest rivals there of the Division Three championship caliber Arkansas Wildcats. It's a big game. This is a real big game. I mean, you know, um, St. Louis coming back into the league. You know, I'm going to go with the slam on this one. I'm going to pick the upset. Um, this is the team that's going on the road. So, I'm going St. Louis in this one. I think they come back into the league with a vengeance, and they put their name back on the map as one of the solid defensive, uh, excuse me, the D3 teams in the WFA. Give me St. Louis in this one. All right. So, before we get out of here, we got a little bit of uh, events and newts going on here. Congratulations to the Orlando Jets, who won the international friendly against the Birmingham Lions of the BAFA women. Get all the action at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Jody Davis, photography out there, Stefan Arcander as well. Great job on there. Seven to zero. You can catch the touchdown, winning touchdown at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. So, congratulations to the Orlando Jets of Sweden defeating the Birmingham Lions. Then the uh, other announcement was May 18th to the, se- to the 19th, 2019. The Costa Rica, Panama, and Mexico Women's Gridiron uh, Federations will have a, uh, an event, tro- the Tropic Bowl. It will happen on May 18th and 19th as well. And then also the Transatlantic Trophy number two, the announcement is going to happen obviously in uh, 2020, but five new teams announced. The FFX Mexico All-Star Team, the Orlando Anarchy will participate, the Washington Prodigy of the USWSFL, and the New York Wolves as well. So more announcements to come, as I'm told, but the Transatlantic Tournament is set, including the Birmingham Lions. So pretty exciting, Troy, for 2020 right there, and as well as the fall of 2019 here. Yeah, big news. A lot of things. We're getting some startups there, and, and we're going to start getting this stuff rolling. All right, so uh, you guys have been listening to the best podcast on the planet. Uh, you can tune in via TuneIn, Player FM. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts. And right here, as always, on Block Talk Radio, we want to thank Zazzle for supporting us six years running. We are celebrating six years of the podcast. And uh, so thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, sharing our post and sharing our podcast as well. Uh, leave us a comment on uh, Apple Podcasts if you love the podcast, as well as leave us comments here on Block Talk Radio or on our Facebook page or on our Twitter feed. So getting excited for the WFA kickoff, WNFC kickoff, Legends Football League this Friday kicks off, as well as the USWSFL kickoff last weekend. 
So uh, pretty awesome weekend. We'll catch you here next Tuesday to see the first week results of everything that's happening between the WNFC, WFA, USWSFL, and all the other leagues that we cover here. So for Oscar Lopez, for the absent Holly uh, Custis, uh, Luis Bean, and Mackenzie Brooks, and for Troy Wilson here, we'll catch you here next week right here on Block Talk Radio. Tune in, Player FM, Gridiron Blitz. Have a great night, everybody. Bye.